Hi, and welcome to the Get Richer Teacher podcast. My name is Ola, and I'll be your guide and mentor on your way to a profitable, sustainable, but most importantly, enjoyable language education business. And why would you care to do that, to build a business like that? Because there's literally no other way. The language education market is in a bizarre state. Companies making millions in profit yet paying teachers peanuts. Native speakerism is still way too powerful. And finally, the students are bored of the same old formats and messaging telling them to speak like a native. I'm here to shake things up, to educate and motivate a community of teachers who have the courage to build businesses and teach the language on their own terms, both solo or in their own language schools, and have a positive impact on their students and the world. Because teachers are superheroes. Let's claim it today. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get Richer Teacher. And it's another super, super special one because I've got a fantastic guest here with me, uh, Laura Wilkes. Hi, Laura. Hi, thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm so excited. We've actually just recorded <laughs> an episode for Laura's podcast. So we're, we're doing a joint venture today, which is very exciting. And I've invited Laura on my podcast to talk about podcasting because she is amazing at that. I took lessons with her on how to be a better podcaster. I massively look up to her. Um, so yeah, I thought it would be fun. Um, so Laura, could you tell us a little bit about who you are for people who may have not heard about you? Yeah, of course. So my name's Laura Wilkes and I'm the producer and one of the co-founders of the Tisa Pop podcast. That's the mini podcast for busy teachers where we provide mini episodes in 50 minutes or less on teaching, tips, trends, and careers in the ELT. I'm also the founder of Communicating for Impact, and that's where I provide training and coaching to educators to help level up their media and communication skills on things like podcasting so they can grow their community. Awesome. I love that. Um, okay, so we're going to be talking about podcasting. So could you please tell us a little bit about how your own journey with podcasting started? Yeah, sure. It kind of happened a little bit by mistake, but um, Eve Conway and I were working together in Hong Kong as teacher trainers. And we noticed that our trainees were asking similar type of questions or facing similar type of challenges. When you've done a few CERT-TESOL courses, you start to notice patterns and that was something that came through. So they were looking for, you know, further insights to support their teaching development, to support career decisions they were making. But as you can imagine, when you're teaching, not just in Hong Kong, but anywhere, um, our trainee teachers post-graduation were really busy and didn't have a lot of time. And that's what really helped us to kind of come up with this concept of on-demand um, resource, such as a podcast that they could tune into during their commute or coffee break that's super accessible it's it's informal friendly learning so it's like you're sitting in a, a kind of break room with a fellow with fellow teachers that you know talking about a topic and you feel like oh you know I can take away this one thing and apply it to my week without getting overwhelmed I feel inspired to take action so that's what you know informed us to start podcasting and we didn't really start with much we literally started with we bought a, a simple microphone we used my laptop and we recorded in a cupboard yeah. That gave the best audio quality. So really humble beginnings. And, you know, since then, it's obviously grown and evolved thanks to um, the wonderful support and encouragement of, of our listeners. Well, how awesome. <laughs> I love that. You, you talk a lot and you've taught me how important it is to be in a 
in a proper environment to record. Yeah. It actually doesn't have to, you don't have to have very um, expensive equipment in order to record good episodes of good audio quality. So I guess, why not talk about that? So um, what do people need if they were thinking about starting a, a podcast? Yeah, so I think the environment is the one thing that people often overlook, but the space you record in is really going to help to um, increase the audio quality that, that you have. So finding a space such as a small room with soft furnishings, so like cushions, sofas, curtains, carpets, rugs, um, books, um, is really good for absorbing sound and stopping sound from bouncing. Now, if you're doing a video podcast, you'll need to make a compromise in terms of like the visual with the audio and just doing a few tests will help you to kind of find what that level is. I mean, for me, I could record in my laundry room. That would give the best audio uh, for my current podcasting now, but it wouldn't give the best look. I'm sure my listeners yeah. don't want to see, you know, all the detergents and cleaning products in the background. So, I, you know, you have to kind of pro- compromise with that. But that's the first yeah. thing, like finding an ideal space. Um, the second thing is a, a microphone is needed, but often people can use what they already have access to. So if you do have, um, like, like I'm wearing a pair of earphones at the moment just for the I- input, but there's also a microphone on my earphones, a small one that actually could provide really good, um, audio recording. So you could use that, um, or you could purchase a, a plug-in microphone that you put into your laptop or computer. So I think, think about what you already have, um, and, test it to see what the audio quality is um use a device such as you could use your mobile phone to record on you could use your laptop you could use a desktop um but they're really the three things you need the space a microphone which you probably already have a device to record on and there's often software in that device that's already there that enables you to record it, your audio i guess the final step is thinking about where you want to share it like mm. it doesn't have to be public if it's for just specifically your school and your community, you could post it in, I don't know, maybe your school has a learning management system where it lives there. Otherwise, you can publish on public spaces like Spotify for free. Exactly. This this doesn't sound overwhelming at all. Like, I feel like there is a lot of myths around, oh my God, you have to be very professional to start recording a podcast. But I always thought, yeah, um, even... I started before I even knew much about podcasting and I just decided to stay committed. It was just one of those types of medium for me and my business that was, yeah, I can just basically talk freely and that's what I like doing. So video, as you even mentioned, video creates a little bit more pressure because it kind of has to be a little bit more presentable. Um, and I, I, I feel like that's, that's what's stopping me from either trying to go into video but podcasting is really laid back isn't it it really is particularly if you're not going to do a lot of editing so Ola like for example with your podcast it's a free um free-flowing conversation right so you don't have to do much in the editing side I think that's one of the things that also puts people off is thinking like oh I don't know how to edit um I don't know how to like cut things and often they either avoid that and don't post their content because they feel like it has to be really polished perfection for it Mm -hmm. to go live or they can go the other direction and over edit mm-hmm. and take out every single thing that makes you, you and, mm-hmm. you know, authentic and relatable. Um, so I think that's also one thing, um, that people, yeah, may, may not consider or puts mm-hmm. them off from, from getting started. And you mentioned like the video as you, as you say, but the thing is, once you start trying, if you just commit to, let's say, so for your example, Oli, you said about video or not trying video, mm-hmm. not sure about that. 
if you just tried it for, let's say, a mini series of six, like just just try it for six and do six episodes using video and then see how you feel. Mm. And if you find like, oh, you know what, actually it involved a bit more work or it didn't really work for me, then you could just stop and you just go back to audio only or mm. you reflect and think, oh, I'm going to tweak this, this and this. I'm, I'm going to go forward with video. So it's okay to also experiment and try things and let your listeners know that you're experimenting and ask for their feedback. Yeah. Now, I actually, before you even said that, I had a little bit of a light bulb moment. Hey, am I kind of sabotaging something that I could work just by doing it imperfectly, just like I always have, right? So I feel like there is a lot of mindset work when it yeah. comes to, I don't know what people are really afraid of. Is it the fear of it being public? So that kind of visibility, let's say, and that's both for podcasting and uh, creating videos or, yeah. But even when we did some work together, um, you, you coached me into, into, into having a better structure to my episodes. And because I, I kind of, I was noticing that my episodes were starting to like feel the same. Like I would always do the same thing, but not in a positive way, because I think some routine is okay, but mm. it was just starting to feel a bit off. Um, I remember that you were always saying, yeah, it just has to be authentic, has to be me. And that's kind of the most important thing, isn't it? It really is. And I think that's, you know, there's recent publications that I, I haven't got the, the notes to at the moment on my desk, mm. but I have to share that with you for the show notes. But that's one of the powerful things about podcasting, why podcasting is particularly um, great at breaking down barriers. So if we think about the podcasts that um, we can listen to where researchers are talking about what they're working on and the fact that they show hesitation and keep those things out and show the thinking that goes behind it, like when they're like setting their focus and thinking about their research. I'm thinking about the further education podcasts that I'm listening to. It kind of opens up a door to a world that we don't often see because when we're thinking about teacher trainers or researchers or people in universities, um, we often see this very polished output or they're on kind of like a stage or in a lecture theater where they do deliver obviously excellent learning. And we don't see what goes on behind that, all the work and the uncertainty, the doubt that can go into what produces that. And I think that's what podcast conversations like the one we're having today, it, it makes that more accessible. It makes them more human. And one of the things I saw earlier today was, um, there's new software coming out, like new, AI mm. that cuts out all of the fillers in your videos. Um, so mm. that obviously I was going to start exactly using that. I was to mention that. Mm. I think it's a disaster. I, I don't think people should be doing that. I think you should keep them in. Um, keep in those slips, keep in those hesitations because it makes you more relatable. I think stripping them out completely. I used to do that actually in the right. first few seasons of Teaser Pop. I used to do that and people didn't listen as much. Um, I keep them in now and people, I have more listeners than ever before. So, so funny. Something to be wow. said about that. Yeah. I was literally just about to ask you. So if, if you were to edit, what would you edit out? Like the arms mm. and It's interesting that you mentioned that there is this software. I, I have it available in my editing kind of program. Um, I use it because of the transcription kind of, um, feature. Uh, but there is an option. You can remove all the fillers. And yeah, I agree. It's it's just kind of less authentic, less natural. Yeah. And I feel like I am the kind of person who really speaks before they think. So I could probably use 
Like it doesn't have to be as extreme as um, never thinking what you're going to say through, which is basically what I always do. Um, <laughs> but I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah. Like, it's the way my brain works. Maybe that's why some people resonate with it. I do get positive feedback um, on that. So, yeah, I feel like maybe less perfectionism would help us all. I think so. I think it just, again, technology and media, I feel, is meant to bring us closer together as humans and not put barriers in place. And so this is my approach and my philosophy. So some people may resonate with that. Some people may not. But I think, you know, we have this wonderful opportunity to use this media to connect with people in places that we've never been to and never even met these people. And I think keeping it human first and keeping it authentic is should be the priority. You asked, like, what should we edit when we're thinking about, hmm. you know, if we are going to edit? I think when you ask me, what do we need? I completely skip the editing software because you may not need it. You may just record and then post and that's absolutely fine. But if you are going to edit, then listen back with your ideal listener in mind. So try not to please everyone, just please one person. Think about that one person, that one ideal listener, and imagine that they're listening and what best serves them. So go with a content mindset, like which parts of this content serves them, which doesn't. And don't be afraid to space out the editing to give yourself, to give yourself time to listen, do the first edit, maybe go and have a cup of coffee, go for a walk, come back, listen again, maybe involve somebody just to give a second opinion. And by leading with that, um, you'll make really good decisions um, that, that basically serve, serves your audience. Mm. I'm sorry about the drilling. If you can hear that, you can tell no, that this is the, the North Very subtle. That's something very majestic to what you're saying. <laughs> but you see, I'm not even going to edit it out. Who cares? Um, so watch. That's that's really really important that you're that you're saying that. And also, again, I'm just having this this thought, like how aligned are my guests to what I usually say? Like, start with what you've got. Um, think about your ideal person in mind. These are just such lovely pieces of advice for anything that you do. But podcasting can become so accessible thanks to that. Do you know what I love about podcasting the most? So you said about connecting people. Exactly. I feel like I'm connected because I often record my episodes in my pajamas. And I'm like, that's people new. That I am in my pajamas and I'm talking to them and I am in their ears. Like, I love this feeling. Mm -hmm. I often also ask my listeners to text me back what they're doing when they're listening to my podcast. And I've heard the weirdest of stories. And these are like, honestly, obviously, like there are people who say, yes, yes, the content helps me so much. It's so inspiring. Da, da, da. I bet you hear those things. But then there are those things when I hear it. Oh, I was riding my bike when I was this. I was picking up my gloves. Real life. Okay, real life. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. So, um, I, we, this year, 2023, we went to Ayatefel together and mm -hmm. Laura had a talk about podcasting. So, what do you think? Because it was just an extreme, like people were spilling out of the room. There were so many people there. Um, so do you think people see the potential in podcasting? Do you think it, they know that they could use it, but are afraid or like what, what, what's appealing to educators about podcasting? 
I think that's a big question, isn't it? I think it could be a, a multitude of things. Firstly, like this media is getting a lot more attention. It's becoming more mainstream. I mean, when it started, I was just finishing um, high school, I think. So oh, I'm not even going to try and put a date on that. Actually, I think it's like 2005 or something like that, 2004. Um, but it has remained quite niche for for a while, except for in the US, which obviously that's where there is a huge listenership. But for everywhere else in the world, it's not really... Um, being that popular until most recent years. And I think the pandemic has also propelled that, enabled people to explore media more in different ways to connect. And now we're seeing a real second wave of podcast listenership. So by next year, it's estimated there's going to be over 500 million global listeners um, of podcasts for 2024. And I think that's incredibly exciting. Mm-hmm. We're seeing more um, major platforms like YouTube earlier this year released a podcast feature on their platform. So that means podcast creators are going to be easier to search. I mean, it's the largest, uh, it's the second largest, sorry, search engine in the world YouTube is at the moment. So it's making podcasts more visible. We're seeing people more interested in it. Yeah, I think that's what's piquing people's curiosity um, into exploring how they can use this, yeah. this media. And teachers are so creative. I love meeting teachers at events like ITAFL because they always suggest really amazing ideas. So I was asking them, like, how could you use podcasting? Like, oh, I could have done some motivational um, pieces for my students during exam time when they were by themselves. I'm like, I love that idea. That's that's amazing. It's incredible. Like when you're in this space and people come up with incredible ideas on how they can use what's accessible to them to serve their learners, which I, I think is the most exciting thing ever. Yeah. So it's not just because I hear, oh, yes, there is this obvious thing that pops into my mind that, oh, it's, it's a great listening practice. Yes, because we're mainly talking to language um, teachers here, but like there's so many other things that we can do and not just um, in the educational space, but obviously because of the nature of what I do, there is tons of business benefits. So yeah. it's, 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 it's this way that it connects you with, your audience so i wanted to i don't know i think we talked about it before um the fact that people before they trust you or before they buy from you they need to really establish that kind of um that kind of factor the no like trust factor right yeah and i've always felt that my podcast has been one of the best ways to achieve that Mm because when people listen to my voice it's quite intimate actually would you agree with that Do you think there are other benefits to having a podcast in your business as well? Absolutely. I think if you can find spaces where your audience can connect with you, you can't be online all the time, right? And be live and present in every space. So I think it's a really nice way um, for listeners and your your ideal clients to to discover and spend time to get to know you. You mentioned that whole no like trust. And if we go with Daniel Priestley's model of Mm. seven hours, I mean, let's use that as a ballpark um, number, but he says that you need to spend seven contact hours with clients for them to know you and trust you and hopefully like you. Um, that That's the kind of ballpark. And that's really difficult to do if you're thinking about face-to-face or even live online events. But podcast enables them to, you know, regularly tune in to get to know you, perhaps your weekly, every other week or even monthly. And that can build up over time. So when you do mention mention things like, the program that you're offering or the, the special offer that you have, you, you've already got an audience there that are already very warm. Exactly. Yeah. It's awesome that, um, and like, 
it, even when we think about the seven hours, oh, that's that's probably about 14 episodes then. <laughs> yeah, but it's not that much. Exactly. To do that. Yeah. And like we just recorded an episode for your podcast about those myths around social media mm. and exactly what you mentioned. Uh, posting on social media is not exactly sustainable, but also there is another thing. It just disappears. Yes. It just goes into the bloody void. What about podcasting? What's the advantage here? So if we look at, obviously, I mentioned earlier, like YouTube being a big, mm. um, I should say, entry to the podcasting world. <laughs> I think that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Um, but the, like things like that, if you think about clever wording and really kind of matching your titles to what your um, listeners are searching for, then you're going to come up in results. And we see that obviously with any of YouTube's content, like they push forward content no matter what its age, as long as the SEO um, is optimized, so the search engine optimization is there in the title and the the um, description, so people can find what they're looking for. So it's not going to disappear down a page like it does on Instagram as the example that comes to mind, um, where it's more difficult to find content if it's over a certain age. And the same also applies with, um, you know, with what YouTube does is also with other podcasting platforms. If, when people are searching or even searching on Google, it could come up um, as something that people can listen to. And you, if you create your content with that kind of evergreen mindset, because I've got episodes that go back, obviously, back to 2018. It's not the best audio quality. It's not my best editing. I was very new. But still, they've got like over 600, 700 plays. And I'm amazed people are still listening to them, but they do, they go back. And if they discover you later on, they, they're likely to go back and listen through your archive if what you say resonates with them. So I encourage people who are creating like to really think about the long-term game in podcasting because it does pay off. And you know, you will, if you create content that serves that specific listener and you're editing with that value in mind, um, then you've got an amazing treasure trove of people to discover and to connect with. Absolutely. And you literally just answered my question because my question was going to be how to stay consistent and what to do to make it like, to make it matter. But that's that. It's the having that listener in mind. Yeah. And the value that you share in mind. Um, so yeah, could you actually share how how long have you been recording your podcast for? How many episodes in are you? Uh, you know, I should know this, shouldn't I? But we just finished <laughs> recording season seven. So that's well over 70 episodes because we do specials as well. Um, and I'm recording now season eight. So yeah, it, it's it's been interesting because initially it just started as a standalone project. Even mm -hmm. I was just like, we're just going to do one season. It's a standalone project. And that's fine. You can also do that. You don't have to go into regular media production for a, a podcast to provide value for your community. And the evergreen nature of it means that you can use it again and again. Um, particularly for my context, um, when it started, it was for teacher trainees who are finishing the Cert TESOL course. So there's thousands of Cert TESOL graduates that it began to serve um, and continually because the topics were very um, evergreen. So, yeah, thinking about um, in terms of how I started it, it was just going to be that. But then I had several of my listeners come back to me and say, Laura, um, you should you should do it regularly. Can you reboot the podcast? And in fact, um, Eleni Simonizu, she was doing research on women in ELT and she pointed out like, you're one of the few women 
podcast is an ELT, you need to, you need to get back out there because you need, people need to see people in order to be inspired to do the same. So oh I, that was also part of it too. So yeah, you, you're a long answer to your question. There's a, there's obviously ongoing episodes. We're on to season eight. Uh, we're moving now from being just seasonal to doing a weekly release. Um, cause we're now at that position to do so thanks to our listeners. And yeah, it didn't, it wasn't just a magic overnight decision of like, Oh, I'm going to do a weekly podcast. It was let's try this, leave it for a while, come back to it in a, in a year's time because people were saying, Oh, you should start it again. And then it's evolved from there. So it's been very much a, a process. I love that. I absolutely love all about this. Like the fact that exactly that you're female, that there is this kind of empowerment and the fact that you're experimenting, because yeah. like, I also remember from your talk at Ayatefo, you said, and you, I was so, so, so honored to see my name in your presentation, my podcast. There are so many different modes in yeah. which you can do that, right? There are, you can record solo episodes. You can do guests. You can do whatever you want, really. And then when I even talk about um, podcasts with like friends, family, my husband, for example, he says that he can't listen to solo episodes because he immediately falls asleep. <laughs> there will be always something for for everybody. Like I think that's that's that. It's about experimenting what works for you, what purpose it will serve, but also what kind of mode will be best for you to express yourself yeah. and what you've got to share with the world, right? Absolutely. And I know, because I obviously work with people to help them podcast. So I work with a lot of educators to get them using media, whether it's podcasts or videos or live streams. And sometimes people say to me like, oh, but um, there's already somebody doing something like this. There's already mm. somebody doing a great job in this. And like, yes, there are. Take inspiration from that. But your ideas and your voice matters. And it matters to your community. Like, I was just thinking the other day, like if I had podcasts of my teachers when I was studying for my A-levels, which was a super stressful time, um, as it is for any any student studying for high stakes exams, that would have been so reassuring um, yeah. for me because it was that that's my my teachers. Hearing my teachers' voices would have been really, really helpful during those long study breaks. I don't know if it was the same for you, Ola, as well, like where it's literally study from home as you prep for the exam. So classes stop and then there's like a, a month period. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was the same. But I never actually thought about, oh, would like a teacher's voice help me? Personally, I don't know, but I can see the value. And I've mm. recently heard some um, feedback because what I've been experimenting with in my business is creating private podcasts. So yes, the audio courses. Yeah, what I do is audio courses. I turn all my courses into audio ones so my clients get access to that. And that's been like unprecedentedly popular. Like people are saying, oh my God, it makes so much sense that I don't have to sit and watch. I can mm. just go about life. I can just li re-listen to it. Like there are, like it becomes so much more accessible as well. This is from a perspective of a of neurodivergent people, but in general, it's just yeah. brilliant. Like I'm in love with all ways of um, podcasting, but yeah, it's it's just about exploring how it can serve people. It's it's awesome. I love that. Um, what was I going to ask? I was going to ask. So when you work with people, helping them set up their own um, podcasts or or use them more confidently, do you? Notice any common threads? Any we've we've 
kind of talked about what people are afraid of before starting, but yeah. do you notice any other common, or maybe not common, but just, just things that people struggle with or people particularly enjoy when they get the hang of it? Anything that you could share? Well, I think in terms of like the common challenges, like I mentioned earlier, people feel that they don't necessarily have a space. Or their voice doesn't have a space, but it does. Right. And that's something that flows through all my coaching. Because um, I do public speaking coaching as well, is like helping people recognize that their, their voice is valuable and they, they should share their ideas and give their voice a bigger stage. So that's a, that's a big one, the mindset one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the second one is like technology. Like we kind of demystified it that earlier on in this episode. It doesn't have to be that complicated. You don't need a professional recording studio to capture really high quality audio and create great content. And what's some other the challenges? Oh, that's going to take a lot of time. And it does initially. Um, but like most things, your workflows help you scale. Mm-hmm. Once you find that pattern of what works for you, and it's okay to do the same pattern. Like your listeners probably only tune in to you once a week and they spend 15 minutes for you with you. So if you are following like a three step pattern, that's great. Stick with that. Mm. If it was working, stick with that. And then it gets, it gets a lot easier once you find what works for you. And I often see my clients go over this kind of journey of like, Oh no, I don't know about putting my voice out there. All oh, the technology seems so complicated. Oh, I, I, this is taking a lot of time to like, Oh, this is quite easy. I'm loving this. I'm thinking about the next season. You know, that's, you see, it's, it's not like an overnight kind of, um, switch, but it's something that happens gradually. And I see these challenges that I initially mentioned just fade away. And then they get really excited about thinking about creating audio courses or thinking about helping other people start podcasting in their community or involving their students in the podcast creation, which is really fantastic. And it becomes something a lot more than what the initial idea was. I love this because I think it's quite common for all of us. Whatever we don't know, it's, it seems like it seems overwhelming and yeah. scary because our brain just doesn't know it. They, they, it doesn't know how to process that. But once it gets familiar, it's probably not that bad, no. right? Um, exactly. I personally enjoy my very imperfect, imperfect process of my podcast, but there is a workflow for, for it. So it doesn't. It just literally doesn't cost me that much energy anymore. Yeah. And, and it's beautiful about it. And it's evergreen content. It's a way of com- connecting with my audience. It's a way of m- me sharing my very much subjective and, 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 and personal thoughts very often. But if people find it helpful and useful, then so be it. Amazing. Mm-hmm. I can all be proud, right? Um, fabulous. I think that was a great way to maybe get people warmed up to the idea of podcasting i basically think that everybody should have some sort of a bigger like from the perspective of my work what i always say is that people should not start with social media but they should definitely put out some sort of content bigger content or whatever you call it hero content quite regularly whether it is once a week or twice a week or once a month at the beginning doesn't matter but it's the content that is sustainable. And I think podcasting, obviously, because I've been doing that for so long now, um, seems like a fantastic way to achieve that, to, to, to get your voice heard, basically. Yeah. Out there. And I think in terms of like the content creation buckets that we have choices from, like whether we do videos or you mentioned social media as well, I really do see podcasting as the tortoise of the hare and the tortoise race. Yeah. You know, it's slow, it's steady, it 
it can be a bit of a slow burner at times, but it does reward you. And I feel that it succeeds. Whereas social media, like Instagram, I see as the hair of the, of the race that burns out and doesn't ever finish. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the tortoise, go with the, go with the podcasting tortoise. It will, I think- it will get you, it will get you through so many races. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I'm, this is so funny because I often talk to my clients and when I explain like the concepts behind marketing i often use the metaphor of a cheetah and a snail mm. which uh, so a cheetah would be a person who is interested in their work and they just jump on a call and then book their lessons immediately but then 95 percent of people are snails they mm. time yeah know you as we said no like trust factor and it's like podcasting is so well aligned tortoise tortoise um a snail wow <laughs> Love that. Okay. I have enjoyed this chat so much. Thank you, Laura, for sharing your uh, wisdom, for sharing all those thoughts. Um, I feel like it's been extremely inspiring. So I wanted to ask you, if people wanted to find you online and potentially get your help as well, I think they should, um, where can they find you? Well, thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I really enjoyed our chat. Um, so if you want to find me, you can obviously go to TESOL Pop if you want to listen to the podcast. Um, you can find that on all major um, podcasting platforms. And if you're looking to start dabbling in media, whether it's podcasting, videos or live streams, then I have my podcast Pathfinder program that is designed for educators who want to start podcasting. And I offer other coaching services as well. And you can find that all on my website, communicatingforimpact.com. Fantastic. And I definitely can recommend it's a personal recommendation. So I've worked with Laura. And uh, she's just extremely professional and extremely um, warm in um, the way she coaches. Um, so I think if you if you like what you hear here, you're going to love <laughs> what you get. <laughs> there. Thank you so much again, um, Laura, for coming on and having this, this wonderful chat with me. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I'll see you in the next episode. Bye. You know what, teacher? I'm so proud of you. If you're listening to this, you are ready for a change. Whether it is to quit hassling for peanuts or working with other people who don't respect you, I know you've got it in you and my podcast is here to help you do that weekly. To be reminded of new episodes, sign up to my newsletter. It's in the show notes. You'll also receive lots of tips, support and special offers. I'm committed to supporting you also via my coaching programs and courses. You can work with me in my flagship programs the Rocket Takeoff or the Rocket Accelerator. The Rocket Takeoff will take you off the one-to-one teaching hamster wheel to more peace and more well-paying students. The Rocket Accelerator will help you finally launch a group class that will be perfect for students that are a joy to work with and so you can leverage your time and do what you love while having space to breathe or read another self-development book. If you're a language school owner, I've got things on offer for you too. Simply go to my website, olakowalska.com to check them out. Finally, please share this podcast with your teacher friends, rate it and subscribe. I'm your biggest cheerleader. See you next time.